This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Monday, June 21st, 2021. On this day in 1964, the Ku Klux Klan murdered three civil rights activists in Mississippi. The crime garnered national attention and led to one of the most important pieces of legislation in United States history. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering some of the many heinous murders committed by the Ku Klux Klan and their impact on the civil rights movement in the United States. Now let's go back to June 21st, 1964 in Longdale, Mississippi. That afternoon, 24-year-old Michael Schwerner, 21-year-old James Cheney, and 20-year-old Andrew Goodman visited the charred remains of Mount Zion Church, a predominantly black house of worship. The building had been burned down by the KKK just days before. Looking at devastation pained all three young men. The Klan's brutality knew no bounds. As a black American, James Cheney knew these horrors firsthand. Michael Schwerner and Andrew Goodman, both white Northerners, had traveled south to help fight against the violence and inequality that plagued the nation. As difficult as it was, Michael, James, and Andrew used the memory of the Mount Zion Church to spur them forward. At about 4 p.m. that day, they got back in their station wagon and continued their journey to the Congress of Racial Equality in Meridian, Mississippi. The men were on the way to volunteer at Freedom Summer, an event centered on helping black Americans register to vote. But tragically, they never made it to their destination. As they drove through Philadelphia, Mississippi, the bright lights of a police cruiser flashed in their rearview mirror. Deputy Sheriff Cecil Price, himself a member of the KKK, had been out patrolling when he recognized the men's station wagon. Wanting to stamp out civil rights sentiment in the county, he pulled the three men over for speeding, a charge that was likely falsified. Then, instead of giving them a fine, as was protocol, Sheriff Price placed them under arrest. Once he had the activists behind bars, he refused to let them make any phone calls. While the young men sat helpless, Sheriff Price contacted his accomplices in the KKK. Altogether, up to 21 Klan members were involved in planning what came next. Six hours later, Sheriff Price told the activists they were free to go. At about 10 p.m., Michael, James, and Andrew got back in their car and headed towards Meridian. But they were followed. Two cars full of Klansmen, including Cecil Price, followed them away from the jail. 
The activists were outnumbered and overpowered. Clan members cornered their vehicle, kidnapped the men, and drove them to a barely hidden side street. They shot Michael and Andrew each one time, straight through the heart. But James, the only black man in the group, bore the brunt of their brutality. The clan subjected him to a brutal beating before shooting him three times. The murderers loaded the bodies into the station wagon and drove to a swath of land belonging to another KKK member. The graves had already been dug. Next, the Klansmen parked the station wagon off the side of Mississippi's Highway 21. They doused the car with gasoline and struck a match. None of these terrorists feared punishment or prosecution. They were protected by the sheriff, who was in turn protected by the deeply racist Mississippi government. They left the scene believing they'd gotten away with yet another gruesome hate crime and congratulated themselves the whole way home. But the Klansmen weren't as safe as they thought, largely because Michael Schwerner and Andrew Goodman were white. Their disappearances drew national attention. Soon, the entire course of the civil rights movement would be changed. Coming up, investigators discover more bodies than they anticipated. Every so often, something so impactful happens, it has the power to capture the attention of a whole country. An event so deadly or dumbfounding, it has no choice but to live on in infamy. Hi, podcasters. it's Ashley Flowers, and I'm exposing the most sinister cases from the darkest corners of the globe in my new true crime limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, come along as I guide you on a wicked world tour, 15 different countries, 15 infamous crimes. Take a trip to Iceland where six people confessed to a murder that never actually happened. Journey to Mexico where a Lucha Libre wrestler moonlights as a serial killer and travel to New Zealand where two friends hatch a deadly plan to become famous. Each episode of International Infamy explores the twists and turns of a notoriously high-profile case, zeroing in on the cultural details which make the crime unique to its location and explaining why it couldn't have happened anywhere else. Follow my new Spotify original from ParCast, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers, and catch a new episode every week. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On June 21st, 1964, 21 members of the Ku Klux Klan abducted and murdered three civil rights activists in Mississippi. With the help of the local sheriff, Cecil Price, the Klansmen buried the bodies of Michael Schwerner, James Cheney, and Andrew Goodman. 
The men thought they'd gotten away with a hate crime, but it didn't take long for the Congress of Racial Equality to realize their representatives had been targeted by the Klan. When Michael, James, and Andrew didn't make it to the office that night, they immediately assumed the worst. They reported the victims missing to the FBI as soon as possible. At that time, the Bureau was headed by President Lyndon B. Johnson, a man who openly opposed racial segregation. LBJ was working to pass the Civil Rights Act, but he faced major pushback from Southern politicians. Tensions were high as federal agents made their way to Mississippi on June 22nd. At first, authorities thought they were investigating a kidnapping, but on June 23rd, agents found a station wagon belonging to the victims abandoned off of Highway 21. It was still smoldering from the fire the KKK lit two days earlier. News of the gruesome discovery sped across the country like a bullet, as the FBI shifted their focus from searching for the activists to finding their bodies, citizens spoke out. Michael and Andrew's murders made some white Americans realize that the Klan posed a risk to them as well. Suddenly, they had a stake in the fight for civil rights. Of course, not everyone agreed. Many white officials tried to play the whole thing off. Mississippi Governor Paul Johnson acted like the murders were an elaborate hoax. When asked where the victims might be, Johnson responded, they could be in Cuba. But the majority of people, including FBI agents, didn't buy the ridiculous lies. The resulting unrest helped make it possible for LBJ to pass the Civil Rights Act on July 2, 1964. It was a huge victory, but it happened against a solemn backdrop. The bodies of the young activists still hadn't been discovered. Throughout July of 1964, detectives combed through Mississippi. They didn't find Michael, James, or Andrew, but they did discover the remains of eight black men. All of them were likely other victims of the KKK. Finally, on August 4th, federal agents received an anonymous tip from a highway patrol officer named Maynard King. Maynard had heard from a third party that the missing activists were buried at Old Jolly Farm. FBI agents swarmed the area. With Maynard's help, they uncovered Michael, James, and Andrew's bodies. With the help of informants, authorities then zeroed in on Cecil Price and at least 20 of his co-conspirators. Among the accused were other law enforcement officials and a local Baptist minister. The FBI wanted to charge all of the Klansmen with homicide, but murder was a state crime. The Mississippi government refused to prosecute them, claiming there was insufficient evidence. Because Mississippi officials wouldn't arrest the killers, the FBI had to figure out another way to hold them accountable. On December 4, 1964, the Justice Department charged 21 members of the KKK with conspiring to violate Michael, James, and Andrew's civil rights. Ultimately, seven men were found guilty. Cecil Price, 
Horace Barnett, Wayne Roberts, James Arledge, Billy Posey, James Snowden, and Samuel Bowers. Not a single one of these terrorists served more than six years behind bars. This clear failure of the courts haunted Mississippi representatives for decades. In 2005, 41 years after the crime, State Attorney General Jim Hood was convinced by a group of activists, the Philadelphia Coalition, to reopen the case. He managed to convict one more Klansman, 74-year-old Edgar Killen. Killen remained in prison until his death in 2018. Although Killen's prosecution was a positive step, the activists never truly got the justice they deserved. There was certainly no upside to the murders of Michael Schwerner, James Cheney, and Andrew Goodman. However, the righteous anger that followed their deaths did play a role in the passage of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Perhaps even more importantly, the crime forced many people to reckon with the racism that continues to wreak havoc on the country. Michael, James, and Andrew were killed 57 years ago today, yet the conditions that led to their deaths still persist. The crime serves as a sobering reminder of the ongoing need to craft a more equitable nation. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Karis Allen, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Haley Milliken. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, listeners. It's Ashley Flowers, and here's a quick reminder to check out my new True Crime Limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, I'm taking you across the globe to look at 15 of the most notorious crimes from 15 different countries. Some stories are sure to shock, some may leave you stumped, but all are quite the trip. Follow my new series, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.